Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. I saw all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Way, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. Hey now, welcome into the State of Combat with the Brian Campbell. This is your WWE Survivor Series Instant Analysis Edition. You know this voice, it's the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. BC had a real busy night covering the Deontay Wilder-Luis Ortiz fight. He has his results, grades, and analysis over on CBSSports.com, which means that myself, the Silver King, I'm joined by Jack Crosby, Outback Jack, Gentleman Jack. You pick your nickname for him. I just call him the guy who likes Almond Joys and has awful taste in fast food. Uh, so normally, of course, this is in this Campbell podcast. Tonight, we're not going to go in that direction. At the same time, we're not going to waste much time because what we need to do is break down Survivor Series, Jack. I think we should start really talking about the show in its totality. Um, it's not often that WWE truly tries to give us a great pay-per-view. And no matter what you thought about Survivor Series on Sunday night, whether you thought it was indeed great in a pay-per-view, whether you think it missed the mark in certain areas, everyone is entitled, of course, to their own opinions. But what I think is not debatable is that WWE tried to make the fans happy on Sunday night. Yeah, this was one of the better shows of the year. Uh, I could even go as far to say, you know, sometimes when you say live up to the hype, you th- you automatically think that you're you're hurdling these insane expectations. But when I thought about it and the term lived up to the hype, the hype that was presented over the last few weeks of build, this show lived up to it. Ultimately, it did. It was it was a good show. It was one of the better shows of the year. Um. I mean, I'm sure we'll get to it in a bit. I mean, again, like most of these big four shows, a little little bit long, li- little lengthy, but there were times where most of this show made me forget about that. Yeah. And I was I, immersed in it. And like I said, like the hype had its his, or the build had its hits and misses. The invasion overall was pretty good, but the show itself lived up to what our expectations were coming in. I would say the show did not begin feeling long until we reach the main event. And there's reasons for that. Uh, but ultimately, you know, it, I think the runtime for me at least was not much of an issue. We're not going to spend really time talking about it, but it ended, you know, between 10 and 10.30. I don't have the exact time on me. And if you don't include the kickoff show, that's your three and a half hour pay-per-view, which is what we want at a WWE. I do think that these extended kickoff shows for their big four, big five pay-per-views are just exceedingly unnecessary. But that's another topic probably for another day, Jack. Uh, what When I look at Survivor Series as a whole, of course, to me, the only thing that was actually missing from Sunday Night Show was the moment. Because when you look back on major WWE pay-per-views, you say, wow, this happened at WrestleMania 32 or at WrestleMania 17 or at the 1997 Royal Rumble. Like there's, there's moments in time and I'm not, I wasn't referencing anything specific there, but there's moments in time in WWE that you remember. Um, you know, Ronda Rousey returning and, and tipping over the ladder, you know, and allowing Asuka to win the women's championship. There's always that take home moment from an individual pay per view. 
And I really think the only place where Survivor Series, the 2019 edition, fell short this year was it did not give us that signature moment. There were many different instances where they almost had us. Uh, The main event. Something could have happened that didn't. Uh, The Brock Lesnar-Ray Mysterio match. Something could have happened, but it didn't. The Men's Survivor Series match. You know, someone could have turned heel, but they didn't. So... Ultimately, I was extremely pleased. There was never a time on Sunday night where I was watching that show and I was hating myself for watching it. Or I said, man, I can't wait to go on this instant analysis podcast or go on Twitter and complain about it. But at the same time, I don't know how memorable of a show this will be for me a year from now. But in the moment, in the moment, I'm pleased and I'm satiated. Yeah, and you know what? Here to say, because like, you're right, and we thought it was coming. To give our listeners a little bit of insight into how we work during pay per views, I, I I'll explain it like this: what I thought, what we all thought was coming. Brian Campbell gives you that ex, ex, excellent expert analysis. Adam edits them, and if something happens that I that needs to be done on our website, something so monumental, I will write it. You will see my name on the byline. There was a moment tonight where I had a tab open on my computer with a headline, Ronda Rousey makes WWE return at Survivors. Because once I saw the women were going last, I said, here it comes. I was setting everything up. But then the match starts and Michael Cole, they mention her. And I went, oh, all right. Right. Then it's happening. like, that's this not ain't happening. They would have happened to them. Right. Uh, no, the only thing that would maybe constant, but not even is something we remember down the road is maybe the fist bump between Keith Lee and Roman Reigns is something sure. we could look back on as a moment per se, but not what you're talking about in the sense of wow, Survivor Series 2019. Right. Like even over War Games 3, you know, what happened Saturday night, and we're going to talk about that at the end of this show, but you're going to remember the Champa bump with Cole. You are going to remember that happened. It doesn't yeah. always have to be a return or a surprise or a heel turn or something like that. You want that signature moment. And I don't want to harp on this. I really don't mean to because I'm, I feel very positive about the show and the future of WWE coming out of Survivor Series. I just think we would be remiss not to point out that, you know, whether we're going to give our grades at the end, whether we thought maybe it was an A show or an A minus show, that little extra is what prevented yeah. us from going to that next level, that A, that A plus, that you wanted to come out and say, man, this show is hitting all the cylinders. They are saving up something really special to get us in the end. And they had two opportunities in the two main events and they didn't deliver. Now, at the same time, I got a lot of tweets, Jack, during this show where I'm praising things that are happening. And the responses I'm getting are, well, yeah, but you know they didn't really treat Walter great, and they didn't leave Damian Priest in the match for too for long enough, and Io Shirai didn't get her moment to shine, and and that's the other thing I want to talk about coming out of Survivor Series because by us not complaining but noticing that there wasn't that big moment, it may feel like we're nitpicking a little bit. I don't think that's nitpicking. I think when you put on a big four pay per view, you want something exceedingly memorable that's going to happen. But what I think a lot of fans need to get over is WWE, they could be booking, smart booking, you know, every single month and putting on great shows and doing everything you want. They are never going to book a show 100% of the way that you, Jack, 
me, Adam, or any of our people listening right now would want the show booked. There's, you're not going to get every match result the way you want it. Not everyone's going to go over the way you want them to go over. So picking nits on Walter or, you know, individual things that happened in the show that maybe brought booze for a second from the crowd. To me, that's just so nitpicky, so ridiculous, because what I just came out of was watching a three and a half hour main show, a four and a half to five hour pay-per-view that thoroughly sports entertained me and that said to me, you know what? My belief in WWE, our conversations about, hey, you know, maybe this Raw thing might work work out under Paul Heyman. Maybe NXT under USA Network is going to be okay. Um, it, it paid off for me tonight. I feel very happy coming out of Survivor Series. Well, you know what I'm going to say. The Walter thing was inexcusable. It was too quick. You, you can't present a priest, someone like that. All right. You can't do what you did to Walter there, especially after you presented him in the way you did against Rollins and the way you're just trying to present him. That that was inexcusable. But past that, you're right. Like, you can't look bad. Like, you know me. I'm a big AEW fan, just like BC. But, you, you, you know, they're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. No wrestling right. show is perfect. Not Evolve. Not Rit. Uh, never mind. <laughs> not no no wrestling show from any promotion is perfect. Not there. You are not going to find the perfect wrestling show. And for as much crap as we give WWE, I've learned by now. And I'm sure BC would yell at me if I said this right. I, I, he's when he hears this, he's going to cringe. But I've learned to this point when you get a show like you get tonight, you're right. Just sit back and go. Okay, that was a good show, and I'm just going to enjoy it for what it was. Yeah, that I, I might not have been pleased by that decision, or I might have not been pleased by that person going over. But you know what? Overall, it was a good show. It was fun. It didn't feel like I was sitting there from five until almost almost the ten thirty. So, all right, I'm good with it. Yeah, but it's not even I'm good with it. I was thoroughly entertained, and I fully enjoyed that show. When you look at a pay per view that WWE tries to fit 60 performers on. And that's what they did tonight. They basically had 60 people compete in a five-hour span, less than five-hour span. That is a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for a seven-hour WrestleMania that never ends and you're exhausted by the end of it. And, you know, listen, honestly, I I went to Florida, University of Florida. I'm I'm a Gators fan. Uh, Florida had a basketball game, a really important game against a ranked opponent that was going on at the same time. I was watching Sunday Night Football on my laptop at the same time. And at no point was I exhausted or did I think I needed to change what was on the main television because, man, this WWE pay-per-view is not going well. I need to switch it up. No, that was by far the best thing that was on TV tonight. And dare I say, Jack, I think it you an argument could be made that it was better apples to apples than takeover war games on Saturday. Mm. There are there are reasons why, primarily because your NXT people still went over on this show. Look, the individual match, the two war games matches were pretty sick. The women's one was sick. The the finish of the men's one was sick. I'm simply saying, think about what we actually got tonight from WWE. That is abnormal in this day and age. Yeah. To- uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say it was better. That's a personal preference, but it was uh, like the, the gap was as close as it's ever been because the common consensus since these takeover during takeovers during big four weekend started is always, well, Saturday was better than Sunday. And no, I'm certainly not going to fault anyone like you trying to make a case 
that Sunday was overall better than what NXT gave us on Saturday, which how could you complain about something like that? Because that's a good sign, ultimately. Now, will it happen again? I mean, we'll see come Rumble weekend. Then we'll see WrestleMania week. But then we'll see, you know, it's got to go on and on. But it's a positive sign because like you, you and I talk about it on the show all the time. You just said it. The positive signs going forward. That was another thing I took away from this show tonight. I am excited to watch Raw tomorrow. Yes, I badly want to watch Raw tomorrow. I'm not. I I won't necessarily say SmackDown because I do think that that we've said that show is just a one dimensional. It is what it is. If we're being fair, the Go Home SmackDown had they allowed that main event to run, you know what happened afterward that was supposed to close the show. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty damn good episode of SmackDown. Let's not lie. Like yeah. yes, yes, week to week, it's not for us, quote unquote, to quote BC, but. Friday SmackDown was pretty damn good. Poor, poor Mustafa Ali and Leo Rush got some real shine taken away from them. Yeah. Those yeah. poor bastards. I felt so bad for them. When I finally saw that clip, I went, ah, oh, come on. Like, they killed themselves. And the thing is, and I know, and I've talked to wrestlers that have been on TV before. There are sometimes they don't know they're off the air. And especially in a brawl setting like that, I someone would have to ask them. There's a chance that Leo and Ali didn't know they were off the air. But whether they did or not, top for, for people that don't know what we're talking about, that didn't seek it out, I tweeted it. You can check my timeline. You can go to WWE YouTube, see what happened after SmackDown on Friday. But uh, Mustafa Ali hit you know Leo Rush with a top rope Spanish fly onto like 15 people. And, and as great as that was, as great as the move was, the reactions by Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns, yeah. Jack Gallagher, and The Revival, they all just stopped what they were doing and like stared and said, literally holy crap they, they you know they turned into fans and they, they couldn't help themselves yeah it was it was truly incredible it was a great moment from smackdown and there were a lot of great moments coming out of survivor series on sunday night jack and i are going to get to all of them we're going to break down the individual matches tell you what we thought we're also going to talk nxt takeover war games 3 but before we do that a very brief word stick with us through this from our friends and sponsors It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Sample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. New CBS Monday. NCIS is back. We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What are the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS. Monday, 9, 8 central. On CBS. And streaming on Paramount+. Plus. All right, Jack. So coming out of Survivor Series, the biggest takeaway, of course, at least to me, and we'll go down the matches one by one, but it's an NXT dominated. They won four of the seven, you know, brand versus brand versus brand matches. SmackDown won two, Raw won one, and it was extremely forgettable. It actually happened on the kickoff show. And, And in that regard, it's almost a repeat of what happened Last year at Survivor Series, where Raw, which at the time was the signature show, won everything, and SmackDown basically won nothing. This time, obviously NXT, but SmackDown was the winner between the Raw, the SmackDown and Raw, the two main shows. 
Um, so the immediate reaction from basically everyone, I assume, is going to be, well, WWE put NXT over so strong because of AEW. They want to beat them in the Wednesday Night Wars. And I'm going to say this. Probably. And I don't care. Because, because here's the situation. Whether WWE is concerned about AEW directly or they're simply concerned about making a new brand that they put on cable television for the first time ever succeed, that should be their goal. Our concern when NXT went to USA Network was that Vince would quote-unquote ruin it, right, in some way, either by toning it down, changing how the stories are told, uh, you know, moving it from location to location, brightening it up, whatever the case might be. And what WWE just did on Sunday night in one of its biggest pay-per-views of the year, its second longest running show next to WrestleMania all time, it put that brand, that NXT brand that we love, that BC loves, over Raw, over SmackDown, the now prestige show on Fox. We saw, and we're going to get to these matches individually, we saw Rhea Ripley pin Sasha Banks. Was it totally clean? Eh, but she hit her finisher on her. We saw Keith freaking Lee, who you and I both absolutely love, not Champa, not Adam Cole, Keith Lee pin Seth Rollins clean. This was a win for NXT. In my opinion, it was a win for WWE. Do I think that means that NXT is now going to beat AEW in the rating wars? No, I don't, because I think the gap is decently large enough between people that don't really want much to do with WWE, no matter what brand. And, yeah. and I don't think the Raw and SmackDown main roster, quote-unquote, fans know enough or have been pushed enough towards NXT to suddenly give that show 1.8 million viewers and blow AEW out of the water. No. But if this took, I don't know, 10% of WWE's audience that had never watched NXT before and brings it over to Wednesday nights and gives them a taste of this Kobe beef with truffle butter cooked medium rare served with a craft brew that I enjoy, that BC enjoys, Jack, that you enjoy. It is a huge win for Vince McMahon and WWE. What, what it did, essentially, was the knock on NXT as essentially a glorified indie promotion, which is what it is. I, I said from day one, what Triple H created was Glory Days Ring of Honor with the budget. And PWG. That, that's, basically, that's basically what it was. Um but the knock on NXT was always all those little guys. Right. They're so small. But this whole angle, this whole Survivor Series program, what it did show those people who may have been on the fence or were really unfamiliar with NXT, because I know it sounds crazy to people, but like you mentioned, there are a portion, a pretty big portion of the WWE fan base that has no idea what the hell NXT is. But what you show them is they have a nice mix of everything. Yeah. You will have a guy like, say, we love him to death, but a Pete Dunn doesn't look as physically imposing, can wrestle his ass off in the ring. Well, I mean, we'll get to that later. But at the same time, you will have a guy like Keith Lee who's going to pin Seth Rollins and stand toe-to-toe with Roman Reigns, a Damian Priest who will tower over everyone else. It's It's not just the small little you know, quote-unquote, vanilla midgets. That's not what the place is made up of. Rhea Ripley, who, I don't know how many zeros she's going to put in her bank account <laughs> of all of this after it's all is said and done, I'm pretty sure she pinned 1987 Hulk Hogan. I, yeah. I joked on Twitter, 
She's going to pin Brock at WrestleMania for that's where we're headed with her. Well, what else is left for? Her? It's crazy. But I mean, yeah, like she her bank account's about to explode. Good for her, by the way. And only 23, it's insane. She she real quick, quick aside. She's the most unique women's wrestler that I can really remember. Yeah, well, I'm, I, I'm not saying there's no one like her. I'm not saying that she's the best ever. Her look, her attitude, how over she is, how good she is at this age. Yeah. I've just never seen anything I, like that before. I bring, I bring her up all, every once in a while. I got to bring her up tonight. You know, I, I, I told you guys before, I always use my wife as a gauge. And my wife has re- taken to Ripley, just like a lot of, yeah. was not really familiar with her until this program. Fell in love with her. And her thing was, she goes, you know what does it for me? And I said, what? She goes, and it's not a knock on like a Sasha or anybody else, but when she stands next to Charlotte Flair, I believe she can kick Charlotte Flair's ass. Exactly. She said, she said, I know Sasha's a fantastic wrestler. And like, a, she goes, but there's something about Charlotte's aura that when people, some of these girls stand next to her, you don't believe it. She goes, when Rhea stood face to face with her, I believed it. And I said, there you, I said, that's actually, I told her, I said, that's a good point, honey. I said that like, and these crowds are just taken to her because she's, she's just so natural. She's herself. We always say that about if the character is just the person turned up to 11. It'll always succeed. And that's what Rhea is. And that's she's, why it's she, clicked. She's actually, in some ways, WWE's version of Ronda Rousey. I mean that in that she can change what it means, again, to be a women's wrestler in WWE. The, the four horsewomen took that first step. She has the opportunity to take that next step where it's not just they can main event. And we would like they to are see, and, and we would like to see them get those opportunities. We need them to get those opportunities. And, and Rousey did do that, certainly with Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. You could argue that, that Kofi and Daniel Bryan could have as well, that, that was just as big of ended up being just as big of a story. But Rhea Ripley to me is someone who can draw, who yes. as a women's wrestler, you want to see what she's going to do next. And I wasn't planning to go with this match, but since we're talking about her, we'll talk about this, then we'll actually go the opposite order of the, of the match card. But what the women's wrong? the women's Survivor Series match, um, I thought it was expertly booked and not expertly commentated. And I wouldn't be surprised if a reason for that was Mauro Ronaldo not being there. I don't know if he was planned to be in that chair in that given match, uh, and we're going to talk about him at some point here on the show. Um but I thought the concept of those two faking an injury, and, and I don't know what's true or not. There are some people saying that Io was supposed to fake it, but Candice wasn't. She actually did get hurt. So they both got checked, and it did. You notice the match did slow down, and things were weird for about five minutes yeah. in there while all the women tried to gain their footing. So I'm, not, I'm, t- I'm putting that aside. I'm going to believe that something awkward did happen along with that plan. But that booking of them going out, one of them at least not actually being hurt, coming back and being there to help Ripley as a you know team NXT situation, go over Sasha Banks. I thought it was expertly booked. I thought them giving us Ripley and Banks in that final two was the genius decision because the truth is when that happened, I said, wow, they're finally going to put Sasha over since her return. They're going to put her over Rhea Ripley, who just became the number one contender on NXT, basically. I mean, not officially, but in women's war games by pinning Baszler, she basically did. I'm like, wow, they're going to give Sasha this huge win right now. I'm going to pop. And then Ripley ends up winning, and I pop even harder for it. So I just thought it was an A match. Um, 
you can argue that parts of it were sloppy or whatever, and we didn't get to see the full extent of what Candice can do and what Io can do. Those are two of the women in that, in that match who you really wanted to see go up against, you know, Charlotte and, and women like yeah. that. Um, and Oscar and Kyrie Sane and all that. But still, nevertheless, I just thought that was a huge home run. I mean, my takeaway from this whole weekend, last night and that match tonight you're talking about is I said, wow, what a dumbass decision it was not to have a second evolution pay-per-view, huh? Yeah. Really, really stupid, stupid idea. Because if if anything was proven, especially over the course of the last two nights, would have killed again, that show. Absolutely. Would have absolutely murdered. But, no, like... The match, the match was great. The women, kudos to all of them. They were all really, really good. Because, look, there are some, and I won't name names, people could figure out who. There are some very unseasoned in-ring people in that match yeah. with some very, very, very seasoned workers. And sometimes that could create a bad mix, but it worked. It worked for what it was, and it, it got down to what it needed to be. Yeah, it's especially on commentary. Like you said, the commentary could have done a much better job of explaining what the hell was going on. Because when the cameras panned over and Candace and Neil were laid out, it was just awkward for a bit. And, and the referee was also at the end of the match. Sorry to interrupt you, but the referee was like pushing them away. Yeah. So it made you think it made you think they weren't eligible to be, be in the match anymore, that they were almost injury disqualified. But then at the end, they all three stood there and social media told us that Rhea wasn't the sole survivor. It was three of them. So it's like, tell us. Like, someone needs to share yeah, that with the audience, just, you know? A lot of conf- confusion, convoluted, convoluted mess. But, I mean, hey, you know what? That's wrestling. You take the good with the bad sometimes. And the good wildly outweighed the bad in this match. Like, they, they, we we only talked about the, the little parts that were bad. But, overall, I mean, you can't complain about this. No. there's There's really not much to... Uh, pick outside of the nits that we just kind of mentioned for using convolution jack you get this and Rhea ripley gets this because she has yeah it. uh we'll stick with the women and we'll actually go the order i meant to here the final match of the evening the women's champion versus champion versus champion match had Shayna baszler defeat bailey uh, via submission and becky lynch basically ruined becky killed her on the uh announce table and then at the end of the match becky got her Come up in and you know the face was able. Becky to, must pose. Yeah, face was it's able to go new, home happy. It's a new Hogan must pose. It, it was, uh, and it, you know, which was Reigns and then Rollins, and it, it goes down the line. Basically, there's no situation where your top star is not allowed to look great coming out of a pay per view. Um, ultimately, look, I don't even mean this because of what we said earlier in the show about Rousey. I think that was something that we implanted in our head, and we cannot fault WWE for not booking what we thought was going to happen, right? I I refuse to do that. But at the same time, not counting the opening match, which was a tag team battle royal, which we're really not even probably going to talk about. This was, to me, the worst, quote unquote, match on the main show by far. It wasn't terrible. If this was in the middle of the show, I think we all would have shrugged and said, okay, you know, some booking, interesting, whatever. But this should not have main evented. It ended the show on a low note and the fans after having Baszler actually go over who unlike Ripley, the fans do like Baszler, but unlike Ripley, she's not getting a huge pop when she wins. Right. It was kind of just a letdown. No one cared who won. Uh, The match itself was slow. Uh, You know, Becky, while I think she's great on the mic, of course, and we like her in the ring, isn't the best worker in the company. And that's not a nothing negative to really say about her. And Baszler, while she's also great and very entertaining, 
she's a submission wrestler and she's a MMA wrestler. She's not in Io Shirai or, or someone that's going to blow the roof off the place. So I just thought it was for, for them not to have that moment that we talked about at the beginning of the show. It didn't have to be a Rousey. It could have been Flair coming in or it could have been something else surprising that we didn't expect. For them not to have a hook, this was a terrible decision to end the show. Yeah, you know, I, I said it simply on Twitter. The match sucked. The ma- it, it, it sucked. And and look, it, it's okay. Look, it's okay to say that about a women's match, people. It, oh, it totally. really is. It is okay to say that. They are talented. Those are three talented women. The match was terrible. It happens. And especially in a triple threat setting. So it happens. Sometimes you don't get a good mix. Lightning struck twice in my mind in 2019 with this match. Because let's be honest. The WrestleMania match should have been just Becky and Ronda. Of course. That that was the feud. This, looking back now as a whole, this was screwed from the moment Becky and Shayna had that, had that sit down. When it this all first started on Raw. All I wanted to see after those two sat down and talked to each other face-to-face was Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler. And I get that the structure of Survivor Series mandated that Bailey be thrown into the mix. I get that. Still doesn't mean I had to care. Well, there's also something to be said for all three men's world titles being defended in individual brand matches. And for the women's champions to be treated like the mid-card or like the tag team as secondary. I mean, they clearly did that. Now, they did put it in the main event, so... Yeah, you can't, you can't really say they did it on purpose in that way. But I would have been much more excited to see challengers or Baszler to challenge for the Raw Women's Championship against Lynch, and for Bailey to lead Team SmackDown along with Sasha in the in the Women's Survivor Series match. So it just you're right. It was it was flawed. It was a flawed booking. It was a flawed execution. Exactly. Ultimately, it was not what we wanted to see. But I'm going to disagree with you. I agree. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying a women's match sucks. I don't think this sucked. I just think it was a C plus where everything else on the show for me was probably a B or better. No, I, I, I just, I, I didn't, it, it, it didn't do anything for me. It, it, I, it just kept losing me. Yeah. I got, I, there was a point right after the beginning. I I got the garbage together cause I had to get it out tomorrow. Well, I keeping a right eye on the TV really quick. Um, but if I will give them anything out of this, well, I I wasn't I wasn't a fan of the Becky Must, but like I hate how WWE just has their tropes. I hate it. Like you you now they left it open ended in the sense that Shayna Baszler is the NXT Women's Champion. Shayna Baszler has a lot of people gunning for her right now. However, now the Raw Women's Champion is royally pissed at her. So. Well, we can't just leave this be where it is. And just the beat down afterwards isn't up. Oh, oh, well, that's it. Well, because in a sense, in reality, actually, Shayna Baszler stole the main event survivor series spotlight from Becky Lynch by getting the win. She, she may not have beaten Lynch, but she still stole that spotlight. I, I have a feeling they're setting us up and I could be wrong. Cause I, I know that there's not going to be too much movement uh, back and forth because they need to have a strong roster in NXT. I would not be surprised if Rhea Ripley sooner than later takes the title off Baszler and we see oh, her on – and we, no, not just on that. On a Wednesday night. Yeah, yeah, on, on TV. takeover. On TV and we see Baszler on Raw. 
challenge Becky for the women's championship. I wouldn't be and, surprised about that. And one more call because I got it on Twitter. I know you get BC. I need everyone to please stop with the four horse women stuff. Stop yeah. it because Marina and Jess just can't handle it. They they can't. They didn't come along the way they thought they were going to come along. If you're going to get anything out of this, it'll be Ronda and Shayna against Becky and Charlotte. That is the most you'll probably get out of this. You're it, you you got to stop. I had like five I mean, the, mentions the tr- tonight. With the horse, you got to stop. The truth is, you're 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 probably right about that. I think there's another year. I think you see what happens in 2020 Survivor Series. If they can get it together, you do it. At some point, you got it. At some point, if they come along, you have to do it. But the truth is, if they weren't ready, and I know you want to use your biggest stars, of course you do. But if they weren't ready to be in a War Games match with their leader, then they're, I mean, they've been doing it. They live in Orlando. This is what they do. They probably weren't ready. But we do do have to go beyond the women, Jack, um, and talk about the rest of the show. So, in the co-main, I guess you can call it. Look, look, Brock Lesnar had a title match on a pay-per-view and did not main event. That is something notable. Uh, he defended the WWE title against Rey Mysterio in that no-holds-barred, no-disqualification match. And I think with the exception of Kane Velasquez not showing up, which I had no problem with whatsoever, that match went exactly like I expected. Loved it. It, it was basically perfect. I was surprised that... Maybe Mysterio didn't concentrate on a specific body part of of Brock to kind of, you know, hobble him and then go for it. But it was really damn good booking with Dominic, uh, having him not just, you know, you don't know whether he was actually going to throw in the towel or not, but it kind of made it feel like it was a fake. Um, but to have both of them do the low blow, to have him perfectly execute a 619 and pretty well nailed a Eddie Guerrero's frog splash. His, his, his actual his actual dad. His actual godfather. <laughs> well, and, yeah, dad. Uh, but his actual godfather, by the way. Um, it was cool. And, you know, if you listen to the Survivor Series preview that I did with BC, meaning our actual, you know, preview of the match, we both kind of hoped that it would go this way. And what I told BC is that WWE has these few rare opportunities. They had it with Kofi Kingston at WrestleMania with Daniel Bryan, right? They had it if they had done something like Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey, one-on-one. And they had it here because, again, just like in the main, we didn't get Rousey. That's okay. Not hating. Here, we didn't get Kane. That's okay. Not hating. The one thing I will say on this pay-per-view that they quote-unquote should have done, this was an opportunity to pop the damn crowd, make an insanely memorable moment and if Rey Mysterio beat Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship, because as I said on that preview show, Jack, Lesnar can be in any match against anyone. He can main event. He can co-main. It doesn't matter. He does not need a title to make a match feel important. But Vince McMahon, for some reason, refuses to allow him to exist in WWE without a championship. I think Vince just likes that the whole... The aura that surrounds Brock and the fact that he's the unstoppable champion, even though, and we'll get to it later, you have another unstoppable champion on SmackDown. Like, technically speaking, more unstoppable than Brock because he's basically not human. But, um, no, this was this was perfect. Uh, I mean, I, I had a smile on my face at the end of this. Even though I was with, I was on board with, with you guys, I thought Ray should have won the WWE title. I really thought that was happening tonight. And when they really, they hooked me in on the false finish. After the two frog yes. splashes, they hooked the double, me in. The double cover, yeah. They great. hooked me in. And then even when Brock kicked out, though, I wasn't disappointed. 
I was kind of like, oh, all right, then that's the direction you can go to, I guess. All right, fine. I guess here's my point. They do this all the time with false finishes with Brock, and it's okay. Because every time you get a Daniel Bryan match or an AJ Styles match or this, uh, Rey Mysterio, the belief that they can win and the tease that they might or should or almost will win is often just as good as them actually winning. It was for Bryan. It was for Styles. This is the rare case where I think I actually – I'm not saying it was bad, but I felt let down that Ray didn't win because I know how crazy Chicago would have popped. Oh, it would have been had he won, it would have been legitimately insane. People really don't realize how huge of a star uh, Ray Mysterio and Randy Orton, we talk about it all the time, actually are for WWE fans. They love these guys. So it was an opportunity to have that signature moment yeah. where we say, hey, three years from now, hey, Jack, do you remember when like we were working at CBS and, the, and you know we're ready yeah. to do the pod and Ray Mysterio freaking beat Brock Lesnar? That was sick. They didn't give us that. Instead, the crowd reaction, it, what, they didn't boo. They didn't go you know, crazy mad. They didn't chant CM Punk. More on that later. Uh, but they were let down because they thought they were going to see something all time, an all time moment, and they didn't really get it. I'm just interested. I, I, don't, I don't think you could keep up with the Ray stuff now. I just want to see where Brock goes from here. Yeah. And Next. You can't keep up with the Ray stuff. Over, done with, I guess. Um. I, well, I mean, not necessarily. There's something else they could do there. Sure, but it, it is getting to the point where what we also don't want from WWE is the same title match three months in a row. Yeah, or, can't, or similar title matches three months in a row. Yeah, obviously, I don't think, you know, I mean, well, I mean, Kane is training. He posted a picture of himself training the ring. I don't know what's going on with this knee. Not a lot of people seem to know anymore. Coming into WWE, it was needs work done, going to be a while. Ah, he's posting pictures in the ring, training. It's like, wait a minute. What, so what's what's wrong with you? Like he had the brace on and everything. It's like, wait a minute. So what's, what's wrong with you? The one thing I'm going to say is this, and we'll move off of it after this. We complain about WWE not long-term booking. They have long-term booked Rey Mysterio. Now, I don't know what – I don't know if the end – if this is the end. And if it is, that's fine. They told a nice story over – I think four months of Ray losing a bunch of matches, you know, losing to Andrade. He lost that three match feud. Then Dominic kind of pulling him back up, forcing him to come back. All this happens. He brings Kane in, gets a title match, almost beats Brock. This was a really nicely tell, told story with and, Ray. And maybe, and maybe it goes to a feud with AJ Styles and he wins the U.S. championship. That is the only thing that disappointed me about Ray not winning the title. Like I said, I, I was okay with it. But the only slight bit of disappointment I felt was in my head, I had like his long-term booking. Right. In my head, I had this scenario where I said, all right, it's perfect. Ray takes the title off of Brock. Brock goes into a feature, you know, highlight feud without the title against a Kane or somebody. Ray drops that title to Andrade. Yeah, that's what I said on our previous Ray show. drops WWE Championship to, to Andrade. And there you go. There's your storytelling. But... I I don't I let them breathe a little bit because I, we'll find out I guess tomorrow because they're all in the same city they're still in Chicago what are you going to give me with Brock Lesnar next because if it's going to be still this Rey Mysterio Kane Velasquez Dominic try or quad whatever then ugh, that's going to well, be hard to hard yeah, sell me on then I'm bored brother because they got me yeah. to this point they got me really excited to to right now um but but what I was saying was you have to give WWE credit where, when it is deserved. 
And yeah, it, it does seem like giving them credit for not much. This should be what they do. But it's they did. Job. They did. And it's their job. But they did tell a long term story with these guys, um, especially Ray in particular, and then including Brock eventually. And they are doing it on SmackDown as well. They're doing it with Shorty G. They're doing it with Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin. Now, you may not like Corbin. You may not like some of the parts of this story, but they are actively trying to give us longer term stories that we're asking for. And I think a little bit of credit needs to be given to them for that. All right, Jack, moving on from here, we do have that men's Survivor Series match that we did tease earlier in the show. It came down to a final three of Seth Rollins from Raw, Roman Reigns from SmackDown, and Keith freaking Lee from NXT. And we talk about NXT a lot on the show, but Jack and I have spoken about NXT and a lot of the newer faces you're seeing, at least more frequently on NXT, offline, uh, on Slack, texting, whatever the case. And I did not know much about Keith Lee until probably like six months before he signed with WWE. I saw a couple clips of this guy. I'm like, holy cow, WWE should sign this guy. <laughs> this guy's great. And then in their, you know, swooping of independent talent, and I don't say that negatively unlike other people who think they're doing somehow a disservice by signing great wrestlers, they signed Keith Lee. Um, and this guy came in, really slow start. They didn't. They had other storylines going. They didn't have much to do with him. Don't forget, NXT was an hour, and they had other stuff going. Then they finally get him into a feud with Dominic Dijakovic, which Dijakovic actually, uh, which again names terrible wrestlers great. Uh, and then he gets hurt, and they have to pause that storyline. And now they're finally working Keith Lee back into the rotation. And even so, I kind of expected. Yeah, that's great that he's here, but it's going to take a while. They got Cole, they got Balor, Riddle, Champa. This title picture's locked up. And I'm not saying he's going for the title anytime soon. But what I did not expect, Jack, was for one of the WWE's biggest pay-per-views of the year, for, you could argue, the breakout star, even more so than Rhea Ripley, to be Keith Lee Bask in his damn glory. The guy hits the spirit bomb on Rollins, pins him clean in the middle of the ring. Good on Rollins, by the way, for doing that job and putting No, Jack ha- Rollins got the jackhammer treatment. Roman got the spirit bomb treatment. They treat. both got spirit bombs, I thought. No, Seth got the jackhammer. I thought I got both. Okay, but fine. Jackhammer, regardless. Pin clean, one, two, three. Guy eats two Superman punches from Roman. Kicks out. Obviously, ev- eventually loses to Roman. My takeaway, Keith Lee has... He has so much that it doesn't shock me that Vince McMahon saw this. I'm not concerned because this is a unique talent. This is a guy really unlike any I've seen in WWE before. You could, you know, you could probably pick up a couple other names and I could tell you, sure, they're great, but maybe they have a little bit more charisma, but their athleticism is nowhere near this guy. Um, everything about him impresses me. I it was shocked and thrilled at how well booked the Men's Survivor Series match was. Are there any holes you can poke into anything I said? Yeah, I wasn't the biggest fan. But, but, again, WWE tropes, they annoy me. I've been watching this crap for 30-some years, so I guess it just... You're, you're doing these storylines. What trope? What trope? Like Randy Orton hitting the RKO after he got pinned. That is something. Matt Riddle rolls him up, fine. Randy, Mr. Whenever I Want, where. Not there. Don't do it there. Matt Riddle is going to be 
in your home soon, again, might be a year from now or whatever, call back to it. Don't do it right then and there. Let Riddle have his moment. He pinned Randy freaking Orton for crying out loud. Have Randy just, uh, okay, okay. And then when Randy strikes, say, Survivor Series, you son of a bitch. Remember? I hate how they have to, okay, okay, yeah, we could put the NXT guy, the big, you know, the, the shiny NXT guy over Matt Riddle, but then Randy really quick has to, and that's where you want to jump and say, no, he doesn't. But, but Jack, doesn't. you're saying, you're calling this a WWE trope, and I think, I think that's somewhat fair because WWE is the only wrestling that's mostly been around, but these are wrestling tropes. Uh, a team of five people having two people, Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin for the men, Charlotte Flair and Oscar for the women, get into it with each other and ruining, um, you know, their own team and, and then, you know, screwing that up and them losing because of it. That's a wrestling trope. That's what happens in matches like these. You can't have, you know, 14 pinfalls or submissions that are completely clean. It's just not going to happen. Doesn't make it right. Doesn't yeah, make but it again, right. Doesn't I, make I, it I think the right it's call at all. I do think it's something silly to be upset about when the match was like very we a, damn we good. A conversation about long-term booking. And there, I just laid it out for you. Randy Orton goes after Matt Riddle, a freaking dream match for some people. And he could just say, hey, you little bastard. Remember what happened in Survivor Series? You rolled me up. You thought you were hot crap then? Now now watch. I'm not saying what you're saying is wrong. Would I have preferred for Riddle to get a clean win and then not immediately get pinned? Or maybe get a second one and then get pinned or whatever the case? Sure. Yeah, sure. But, but that's not going to take away from my enjoyment of the entire match. Having to say, oh, make sure Randy gets his moment. And you know I love Randy. You, you, everybody, I love Randy Orton. But it just seemed unnecessary. This match, though, here's what I will say. Since we brought up Keith, uh, we, we're, we've come to the understanding that this, that the inclusion of NXT here is to put focus on the USA show, whether it be just focus in general or to beat NXT, whatever it is. Beat AEW, yeah. Or AEW. The point is focus. Here's my problem as a fan, and I maybe not be the only one who has this perspective. I don't want to see Keith Lee in NXT. I don't want to see Rhea Ripley, Rhea Ripley in NXT now. It, it, that, that's, that's a problem. But for me personally, from a fan's perspective, I looked at Keith Lee working with Roman Reigns tonight and fist bumping Roman Reigns. And the first thing I thought was, man, look, I want to watch you guys do this on Raw, SmackDown, WrestleMania, SummerSlam. I don't right. care. Not once did NXT come into my head for Keith Lee. Same thing with Rhea. Undisputed Era, to a point. But they're such a staple, that brand right now, I can live with it. But especially someone like Keith, I looked and I said, look, I don't want to bash NXT. I know we're supposed to move away from this developmental, third, you know, minor league type. Keith Lee's a freaking star. That's Keith, it. Keith Lee is a, we He's a star. Get to the, he's a raw SmackDown star. He is a yeah. quote-unquote main roster star. I don't want to go to Wednesdays to see Mike Keith Lee. Yeah. I want... uh, you're not wrong. I, 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 I don't feel the same way about Rhea, I will say. I, not that she's not great, not that she couldn't have the same level of impact. But you're, you're correct that with Keith, it stood out. It was, this is a main roster superstar. What, what Survivor Series, this whole program has given us, is what we always used to wonder of, Man, I, I can't wait to see how these NXT guys do on the main roster. 
Now you're sort of, it's like, a, I, I said it on last week's show, a tryout period. And I told you guys, I said, this, I said, make no mistake about it. This is a tryout for a lot of, a lot of these guys. And what, Keith Lee was featured a lot more than other people. Rhea Ripley obviously featured a lot more than other people. It was noticeable that they were taking a stance of like, ah, you're going to be our soon anyway, so who cares? Let's not forget there was also a little bit of protection for them on this show yes. because because they are still NXT. And look, I am not as down on like Aleister Black's future or Andrade's future. I think they're in good hands with Paul Hammond, oh, yeah, right? But but when they were first brought up to, to the main roster, they were brought up as here are some new wrestlers for you to play with and put in storylines, but you have your guys you like already. So just factor them in, work them in somehow. With Keith Lee, when they bring him up, if they bring him up, there will be a reason, like how it used to be when WWE took Braun Strowman, who never debuted on NXT. You never saw him there. He was training and they put him in the Wyatt family for a reason. When you didn't see Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns on WWE TV or even really know much about them in Dean Ambrose. But when they debuted, they made an impact. They didn't just get called up because there were too many people in NXT, which is what's kind of happened a little bit. People get injured. There's spots that need to get filled, whatever the case. Keith Lee is the guy that gets called up for a reason. Called up. I don't even mean that, but transferred for a reason. When you have Brock Lesnar, maybe who beats the shit out of everybody. And then after WrestleMania, you're like, oh my God, what are we going to do? Let's bring up Keith Lee to finally beat the beast. So I think there is a plan. And even if they don't know what the plan is, there will be a plan for Keith Lee. Well, that's the thing. A guy like what happened tonight, like with Keith, how I would love to ask Vince McMahon, like how can you not, first off, whatever you're paying this guy, double it. Right. Get him on the, get him on the road with you. And I mean, come on now. Did you listen to that crowd? And Ro- I, I said, I said, I would, I now, I need to see him and Roman wrestle for about 20 minutes. I need to see those two in the ring going at it. I would need a full on match with those two because that was awesome. I do think we're going to have NXT superstars involved in the Royal Rumble. This is just a guess. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see similar callback moments in that match. You know, Reigns, Keith Lee. Maybe Orton and Riddle, like you're talking about. I think there's other opportunities during the year where WWE can do stuff without doing the uh, brand crossovers or a wild card rule. Maybe there's a special edition, a special week every June where anyone can be anywhere for one week. I think there's instances that WWE can create without killing kayfabe, uh, without killing their own brand split rules to make this happen over the course of the year. And it is something that we should see. But that match... I thoroughly enjoyed it, as I said. Everyone really looked good in some way. Oh, so, Shorty, yeah. Shorty G got his moment. Mustafa Ali got his moment. It was Walter's the only one who really kind of didn't, and that is unfortunate because he's dominant. Yeah, um, but but ultimately, ultimately top to bottom, I was pleased with the booking of that match. The rest of these we are going to go through a little bit faster here, um, but we had the Universal title match where The Fiend defended against Daniel Bryan. He won via pinfall with the Mandible Claw. You know, I think the best thing I can say about it, and I don't mean to say it was bad because I don't think it was, but it was The Fiend's best match since being The Fiend. Um, Who was he in there with? He was in there with the best wrestler in the world right now, <laughs> Daniel Bryan. But but, but I, I think Bryan sold it well. It wasn't so long like with Seth where it became unbelievable because at some point, if, there, if this guy's going to be a dominant monster, he's got to win relatively quick. You can't have a 25-minute match with a dominant monster. So 
you can argue about whether you're done with the red lighting or not. For me, it's totally fine. It's something unique they're doing. They did it with Kane in the 90s. They're doing it now with The Fiend. Um, but I, I thought Brian gave him a really good match. I thought it did more for The Fiend character than pretty much the entire Rollins feud. And yeah, it was a hero for me. It wasn't necessarily a great match. It was probably, you know, next, right, one step above the Baszler-Bailey-Lynch match. But I, I don't think there was anything wrong with it at all. Nah, nah, it was everything we, Brian was in there to do his job and he did his job because that crowd was quiet as hell for the beginning of that match. And of course, Brian Danielson, of all people, by mid-match, they were screaming their heads off. By near the end, they were chanting for him. I mean, this guy, like I said, we're nearing greatest of all time with this dude. It's insane. But we're also, we're going to need an answer sooner or later on how exactly you can get to Bray. Yeah, we'll I, get through these first few matches, but this whole, like I said, he's unst- more unstoppable than Brock Lesnar, and to a point, that's a problem now, like, or it's going to become a problem. Oh no, it it probably already is a problem because of what happened in that Seth match. That Seth, that first Seth Fiend match, hurt both of them. It hurt Seth because it turned the crowd against him because it was unbelievable that he was. But they kept thinking he was going to win, and they were pissed about it because it didn't make any sense, and it hurt the Fiend. Just by proxy, by him being there and taking all that beating and then getting that DQ finish or, or no contest, whatever the hell it was, that upset fans so much. But no, they're going to they're gonna be facing an issue very and, soon. In this match, they the one thing they did was they did miss an opportunity. They kept talking about mental instability and that he's a lunatic and all this stuff. If they're both mentally unstable in storyline, there probably should have been moments in the match where they played on that where Brian tried to calm him down and maybe the fiend starts becoming the Mr. Rogers Bray Wyatt. Not, not doesn't take the mask off and stuff, but like instead of the hurt glove, he looks at the heel glove and is like, Oh my God, this is a guy that used to be my friend for a short period of time. And you know, they need to tell more of a story with the mental part of the character because of what you're saying. Ultimately he's going to have to drop the title. And if they make it something like an elimination chamber where he loses the title without getting pinned, it's just really going to be a fail. I still ultimately, uh, my theory is that I don't think on this show there was supposed to be Brock Ray. I don't think there was supposed to be Bray Bryan. I think the plan was for NXT champion versus WWE champion versus you. But I think when the the thought yes. of putting Adam Cole in between those two, and I, I Adam Cole's my favorite. Everybody knows. Like, but even I admitted putting him in the middle of Brock and Bray would have been a really, really bad look. It, it just it it would have well, been that's bad. The thing. If it was if it was the Rollins, visual would have been terrible. If it was Rollins, Cole, Lesnar, it works. That 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 works. But putting him yeah. between the that would have been a horrible decision. So I think, and again, this is no report. It's just what I think happened. Yeah, I agree. Is that the, that was planned, and then the thought of putting Adam Cole in between them was like, oh no, that's not going to work at all. Yeah, we could do Brock Ray, and then Brian, come here. You go with Bray for, and then. I wouldn't be surprised if the Brian feud was either for tables, ladders, and chairs, or even Royal Rumble, and they moved it up because of it. I did like that they, despite me hating, hating that The Miz was involved in that final segment on SmackDown two weeks ago, I like that they are giving Brian a next feud and going back to The Miz well, because that still never got finalized uh, last year when they went back to it after all that time when Brian finally returned. No, so there I was that- no finality, right? Yeah. So I am really glad to see that. Moving on from here, we do have the NXT Championship match. Adam Cole oh. defended defended his title against Pete Dunne. 
It was a shock to me. I thought it was a perfect opportunity for Dunn to win the title. Totally fine that he didn't. There's not much for me to say, honestly. I'll let you take it if you want, other than it was a great match and a good opportunity for main roster fans. I say main roster again, Ross Smackdown, to see what is actually happening on NXT. My match of the night stole the show, those two. Unbelievable. It just, I mean, Adam Cole. Our, when we look back at Adam Cole's November 2019, and we talk about, I, I, I know it's not a common discussion to have of wrestlers having the best month ever. But no, like we've, this we've dude, talked about Rollins last year had that really this, good month. Yeah. This dude, man. I mean, just 24 hours ago, he's fallen 15 feet through the tables. Then he's out there putting on a banger with Pete Dunn, and once again, Pete Dunn proved how great he is. That that dude, I haven't seen a guy in the ring as methodical as he is, but able to keep your attention because methodical can become boring really quick. Pete Dunn has mastered the art at twenty-five years old of keeping it entertaining, and that's what makes him so special. We're coming up to the end of the year, and I think he might be my wrestler of the year, Adam. Yeah. Or- Adam Cole. I, I, there's arguments to be made for Cody. You could make an argument for Becky still for different reasons, completely different reasons. Um, I don't know anyone who's been as completely consistent all year long as he has. No, and I can't even think, and you know, even on the indies. But I in, thought, Amer- in America, in America, yeah. But even yeah, in America. But like two weeks ago, you asked me about the indies, and no one's really stood. I AEW was a big part of that too, by the sure. way. I mean, of course, but I mean Jericho, no, Jericho's up there too. Jericho Cole. But Adam Cole consistently, this yeah. just match in, match out. You, 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 you cut you, that Panama Sunrise on the apron. I don't know how yeah, the hell those. Yeah. I don't know how the hell those two pulled it off. But and it, was, God. And it, was, it was great storytelling with the mouthpiece and and you know him grabbing his hand, snapping the fingers. It was just it was a damn good match. I don't I I, th- I think I need to watch it again before I give it a star rating. But it's probably like a four point five. It was damn good, totally entertaining. Uh, I think. That delivered everything we hoped and expected from Roderick Strong, Shinsuke Nakamura, and AJ Styles, which, look, I'm not going to crap on the match. What I will say, it needed another 10 minutes at a minimum. That's a simple Yeah, that, it, but we knew that was going to be the problem. I, I, I said, I said, dream match, but these guys need about 25, 30 minutes. Yeah. I know 30 minutes, but like with those three guys, let them cook. Yeah. Like I remember, tell them on the call sheet, do whatever you want. Here's your time. Go ahead. No, it was great, and the the way Roddy stole the win was just, it was perfect. That was perfect booking. It really was. Uh, there's also that tag team champions match between the Viking Raiders, uh, Undisputed Era, and New Day. It was really the only match, I think, on the show where I disagreed with the booking. The Viking Raiders are the Viking Raiders. They don't need a win. Um, they're fine. You don't factor them in. I thought it would have been a really good opportunity either to give Kofi a spotlight or to finally Give Biggie a moment. Like in this long tag team run they've had, his promo, both of their promos in the pre-show before their match really were good. great. And Big E was awesome. And I said, Oh my God, they're really gonna put him over. If for the Viking Raiders to win, I guess they had to give Raw a win at some point in the show. It's the only match they won that was a you know, brand versus brand versus brand. But that really should have gone to SmackDown. Which is funny because remember last year? Uh, pre-show doesn't count. Right. Remember that from last year? And they even threw in the, the Cruiserweight match, which was an NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Yeah. But it was Leo Rush against the guy on Raw and against the guy on SmackDown. Yeah. And NXT got the got to count that one because Leo, Leo Rush retained the title. 
Well, they call it the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Now, I know, but he I, represented NXT in the match against a Raw guy and a SmackDown guy. It's yeah, but I, I, that was the first the first thing I thought of was last year the whole pre-show doesn't count and New Day throwing a fit. Yeah, it was ridiculous. <laughs> um, by the way, real real quick aside, they have to turn the strap black on the belt, on the title, on the championship. Yeah, get rid of uh, the purple. At- and and get rid of WWE in the middle. If it's the NXT title, then put an NXT logo in them. I don't know what they're doing. It's like the, it's like it's like the WWE UK title. It's like, look, man, if you're not going to defend that thing on Raw or SmackDown, call it the NXT UK it, Championship, please. That, that is my biggest pet peeve. I actually asked Paul Levesque about that on a Levesque about that on a conference call. I said, Paul, real curious. You know, great. T- it was a takeover conference call. I'm like, everything's great. Whatever. Are you are you guys going to change this to the NXT UK Championship considering the brand is NXT UK? And he just kind of like talked around it. I think it sucked because their plans got blown up. Well, I think they have they see prestige in there being a WWE United Kingdom title. And yeah. I don't think they want to take that away to make it a brand title for their fifth brand or fourth brand. That's probably why. Because I remember like that. Remember, there was that awkward, awkward moment period of time where they had the first uk tournament then it was okay we're getting a show, show and everything just kind of disappeared yeah. and pete dunn's off doing progress shows and and yeah. um icw shows and stuff with the title it's like well was this and i i think their plan was to try to have it defended on the main roster but then it just never materialized yeah i agree that cruiserweight match though was good and i do Great. like i do like leo rush the rejuvenated leo rush apparently the calmer you know more chill, at least backstage, it seems. We haven't heard anything negative. Um, I'm glad they gave him the title. He makes the division matter. These other guys kind of just don't. But I am excited to see him against Angel Garza in a rematch coming soon. Um, they anything ran a... Angel Garza, I'm in. Yeah, any, anything. I'm totally in. They also had the Tag Team Battle Royal completely unannounced to open the show. I'm not even going to discuss it. Ziggler and Rude won. Uh, if, you, if you have not seen Survivor Series and you're listening to this to decide what to watch, <laughs> go ahead and skip that one. Just... It was fine. Nothing to write home about. Uh, so let us move on, Jack, to NXT TakeOver, War Games 3, which obviously happened the prior night in Rosemont, Illinois, in Chicago, just outside of Chicago. Uh, we're talking about Garza. He began that show against Swerve in a kickoff show match. Really damn good. They ran an angle backstage where Leo Rush slapped him uh, to get back mm-hmm. at him, basically, and almost re-challenge him, like challenging for a duel, I guess. Uh, everything they're doing with Garza is great. Rush... Swerve was good. I like that they're having Swerve lose a little bit because he actually was picking up some steam where you're like, oh, this guy, they need to do something with him. And I'm not about calming guys down, but at the same time, they don't have anything for him. So sometimes, yeah, to use him as a facilitator for Garza and Rush, I think is really good booking. Yeah, that was fun because obviously Garza is right now legitimately the only like true contender for Leo. Because I think what Triple H is doing is slowly but surely he's got to revamp that cruiserweight division, yeah, as a whole. Because I think Two Hundred Five Live is headed for a death, despite what they said Friday. I know it got cut for the DX. Oh, they cut it, yes. Yeah, Post smacked up. They they're gonna they gotta kill it and just put. You have a two hour show now. You can do the cruiserweights on NXT. It's fine. It's fine. And, and you're airing uh, NXT on the US. Uh, sorry, you're airing NXT on the WWE Network a day later anyway. Yeah. So you're already getting a program for that Thursday, even though you know it's a little bit of a repeat. You don't need 205 Live. It's okay. Yeah. So and, and, and that that entails a lot of guys two two hundred five pounds and under on that NXT roster that you got to say, well, do I want you at like 
NXT, like main NXT, or do I want you competing for the Cruiserweight champ? Like, where do I want you? Right. So right now you go with Angel Garza, who is obvious. The dude's a star, man. Yeah. Like he he's he's one of the only he's one of the few wrestlers that actually remind me of the charisma that Eddie Guerrero had. He is a sheer like that. Like people compare everyone to Eddie, but Angel Garza, he has everything that Eddie used to show. He's like a clone. Yeah, he um, I've tweeted it a few times. It's it's scary. I mean, he's not him, you know, especially Eddie that we remember the the top of his career, you know, great. Maybe the most over wrestler in WWE, Um but he has the elements of and a potential of a future Eddie Guerrero. In the yeah. WWE world, he speaks very good English. Yeah, he speaks very so well. That, so that helps him, too. It certainly does. And and there's nothing... You hate to say it, but that it, that it helps him. It does. I, I do... I am appreciative of WWE. They're pushing the Kabuki Warriors. They're letting them speak Japanese. They gave them a new theme, which I'm sure we'll hear on TV sooner than later. Um Shinsuke, they're letting him cut promos in Japanese online, aside from yeah. Sami Zayn. Uh, they're letting Rey Mysterio you know, and Cain Velasquez cut promos in Spanish. It seems like they are realizing language is not as much of a barrier as they think it is. But there is something to be said for an American company wanting to be a top star in America and being able to speak passable English. And I think Andrade is improving. Um, and I think that Angel Garza is already there. But again, that is not a requirement. It's not necessary, but it helps. It helps. It helps. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, moving on to that women's uh, NXT War Games match, um, which opened the show. Ripley and Candice ended up being the only two women for the face team, uh, beating the four women team of Baszler, Eo awesome. Shirai, Bianca Belair, and Kylie Ray. Jack, I mean, the match was great on its own. I don't know if there was a better, better heel turn this year. And <laughs> I mean, again, in WWE and let's include AEW and NXT, don't forget Gargano Champa happened a year prior. Yeah. Um, what has really, ha- I mean, Finn Balor and Gargano. Yeah, maybe that was pretty good, but this was just brutal. And you know, the history between the two women, if you care at all about them and the storyline, she went after her. They built it up over a few weeks. It was damn good and damn exciting. Look, I, I remember being a little kid. Here's the thing. I say it time and time again. It is okay in wrestling when you see something coming. It is okay of when course. you know something's going to happen. In 1988, heading into 89, I knew as a four, year, four or five-year-old kid that Macho Man Randy Savage was not going to be with Hulk Hogan for long. Of course, I knew he was not going to put up with it. It's the execution that matters. That was one of the most well-executed, anticipated heel turns. She swung at Regal, for Christ's sake. Yeah. She went off her freaking nuts. She went bonkers. And, I mean, like, and to do it, like, to do it against a baby face like Tegan Dox. But, yeah, when she swung on Regal. That's what really popped me. I was like, she's out of her mind. Well, I wanted to, yeah. I was screaming. I said, send Triple H out there. Have her kick Triple H in the nuts or something. It, it was one thing to turn on her. It was the reaction. And it was that she didn't go into war games and work for the other team. It was just about it, getting her revenge and hurting her team by not being there and by taking out Tegan Knox for taking her spot, for you know being jealous. 
um, for being a last resort for the team after Mia Yim got attacked. And she's probably the one who attacked Mia Yim. I assume they're going to tell that story. Yeah. It was it was perfect execution, as you said. And you're right. Chris Jericho, I mean, uh, Kevin Owens, we knew he was going to turn on Chris Jericho. You knew it was going to happen. You knew Kevin Owens was going to turn on Sami Zayn. You knew it was going to happen. But the way they executed it it. made it great and memorable. And like I said about Survivor Series, we didn't really have that memorable moment. But NXT TakeOver War Games, we really had two. That was one of them and the finish of the men's match. The thing with Kai's heels, you said it, a memorable moment, one I won't forget for a long time. Because like the visuals surrounding it, not just the beatdown, Ripley staring at the cage going like, God, I knew something told me not to trust you. I knew it. Shayna laughing her ass off in the cage was one of my favorite parts of the whole angle was just Shayna laughing, knowing that, oh, God, when I get out of this cage, it's going to be four on two and you're all dead, even though it didn't work out. But Shayna laughing, Ripley saying, oh, my God, her swinging on Regal. This makes you excited to see what they're going to do here. It really does. And the match itself, not to discount the match, the match was great. Uh, total excitement. You kind of felt like once it was four on two, that the faces would probably find a way to win. I thought it was very inventive the way they did it. They kind of had Candice kind of deal with her own situation. They had Io Shirai do the moonsault off the top of the war game structure. And, I mean, you know, Io Shirai. Uh, especially in the black leather pants, but uh, the, the ridiculous moonsault that just went on to further prove that she's the best women's wrestler in the entire world. And then once all those three women were taken out, having Ripley use the handcuffs, get her in the uh, riptide pump handle slam bomb, whatever it was. Um, it was really smart booking and storytelling. That is my theme for not just Saturday, but Sunday too. Not everything was perfect. It doesn't have to be, but it was smart booking and storytelling that me as a fan got me excited and pleased me at the end of most of the matches. I will say this to me was not an all-time war games uh, in terms of the uh, takeover. I should say not war games. This, this match was great. The Pete Dunn, Damian Priest, Killian Day match and the Finn Balor, Matt Riddle match. There was nothing wrong with them. Both were very good. Balor Riddle was the best of the two, in my opinion, but there was nothing memorable. There is nothing that I'm really going to think about or want to watch again from either of these matches, Balor going over Riddle, in my opinion, was the right decision. Dunn going over Priest and Dane was the right decision. But ultimately, it didn't really do much for me. And I think that's bound to happen when you center a pay-per-view around two huge War Games matches. Yeah, and even even something like Riddle. And again, this might always be a problem with NXT, is that my thing is, you know, you, you first off just had to use him as a substitute to begin with. Like, I understand he was going to be in the War Games match. But as Matt Riddle keeps losing these NXT matches, and it becomes kind of clear that he's not even third in line, you know, second, third in line for an NXT title shot, or and plus he just had one and lost that too, it's like, all right, then give him to Paul Heyman already. Like, get him out of there. Send him with the Monday crew. Let Paul start working with him. Because, like, well, what are we doing here? Well, you can you can put him in a <coughs> with Roddy for the uh, North American title. I don't know if I'd do that with, with Matt. I, I think I think with someone like him, I would just rather just hone him with Paul. And I don't know. There's like I said, there's something Paul Heyman just could do wonders for that kid. The thing, I look, and, we totally we totally agree that he is a perfect fit on Raw and like obviously a future world champion in WWE. We we are on the same page. But 
he is still only like what a year and a half into WWE. Maybe he he's allowed to lose. Like people are allowed to lose. But as a substitute, I don't care if it's Finn Balor. I don't care if it's Hulk Hogan. It was Balor, as, man. It's as, the guy. As, it's, their, it's, their, it's the guy they're pushing more than he's, anyone else right now, except Cole. Ah, you can't. You can't. You still can't do that. You, then give then give Balor someone else. Give, give him another name on that roster. Because even no, like well, you said, other, but there's no other match you want to see. If they gave him Di, uh, Dijakovic, who cares? You still could see him against Riddle. You still could have done some kind of crap finish. You didn't have to clean finish to have Balor go over, especially if you're trying to push him as a heel. Like you, just, you don't just have him go over Matt Riddle. Stupid. But again, this is kind of the, to me. This is the a little bit of a nitpicking. This is heels are allowed to win clean. We we hate the WWE main roster. The heels never win clean. Occasionally they need to. This is Balor's first main match since joining NXT. He was supposed to be Gargano. I'm sure he was going to beat him clean. So I, I'm pretty much okay which, with it. Which worked because it's Johnny, and he's it, so strong. And he would have would have been so strong going into it. 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 Yeah. It 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 works in that sense, and plus, I think Keith Lee is next in line. He pinned Roddy in that match two weeks ago, so I think Keith yep. is next in line for the North well, American. Well, look after what happened Sunday. If he wasn't, well, yeah, that plan plans change. Yeah, yeah, but uh, no, but I mean, again, I'm not saying anything was wrong. They were both good no, matches, but but because those matches didn't deliver and and weren't look, they were non-title matches on a format. There were two non-title matches. On a four-match card, almost for a number one contendership, Damian Priest and Killian Dane, they haven't done enough with either of them to make you care. And Pete yeah. Dunne has kind of been going back and forth, wins, losses, and feuding with different people. So it's just, there wasn't much of a reason to care about that match. The Balor-Riddle match, I think people cared about, but they were pretty tired, especially after the women's war games. That being, and they were anticipating the next war games, too. Yeah. And that war games, again, Fantastic. I mean... Damn, it delivered undisputed error against Champa, uh, Keith Lee, Dominic, Dominic Dijakovic, and the surprise, of course, is Kevin Owens. So two questions, and we're going to get out of here on this match. Uh, there's going to be one other topic to talk about before we end the show today. Uh, Kevin Owens is the surprise. It wasn't underwhelming because I expected Velveteen Dream. I, when Triple H said on the conference call it was going to be epic, and that got around, it started my mind you know, wondering, like, who the hell – is going to be epic. The last time there was a really big like surprise debut was uh, Jushin Thunder Liger. And I knew they weren't going to go that direction. So it's No, like, that wasn't even a surprise. They announced that, that in booked. advance. Yeah. yeah, that was booked. That was booked. You're right. Uh, it was what was that Breeze? Yeah. Right. Um you're, that was booked, but that was the last like outside name who kind of came in and and did something. And I was like if they're going to have a huge surprise then who the hell is it going to be? Like, I was racking my brain, Seamus. Like, and again, Seamus would have popped people, but it's not epic. And I think Kevin Owens, again, wasn't epic, but it was good. And I popped in the moment, but once he got in the match, I kind of didn't care. No, I cared when he got in the match. I thought it was cool as hell, just because, of, you know, the old the old gear, the old Titan Tron. <laughs> like, he just complete, he went completely back to NXT, Kevin. Epic? That's why I hate, and I, 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 yeah, I put my trust in Hunter because he raised the expectation. He said epic, so the first thing I did was I got on the computer and I said, "All right, when is Marty Skrull's contract exactly up with (laughs) Ring of Honor? I need to know this because that would be epic, epic. especially given the landscape. If Marty walked out there and then people are like, well, they're not really sure when his even Meltzer said not really sure when, 
but he did give a handshake agreement to Ring of Honor to work death before or to work final battle on December 12th. And I went, yeah, well, that place is in such a mess right now. I'm right, sure Triple H will offer him some extra money to show up. Then, of course, there were the John Morrison things, which I was like, all right, cool, I guess. I mean, the guy's been gone for eight years. But that would have popped people, but it wouldn't it have popped people. I was like, and plus, John Morrison in a War Games match would, you know. Yeah, that'd be cool. He would have done some cool shit, but I mean, yeah, great. Like, the crowd went bonkers when that music hit. Yeah, I'm not trying to downplay it. I'm just kind of saying, like, he epic. raised expectations yeah, by yeah, calling it gotta, epic. You have to watch. If that if if he didn't say that, if I just went into it with my normal expectation of it's going to be Velveteen Dream and that's going to be cool because the crowd will love it and whatever, and it was Kevin Owens, I'd be like, oh man, it got me. That was cool. But you know, they well, also they also teased it too by having Triple H confront him on Monday night. Now that did give Kevin Owens a storyline reason to be there to fight Undisputed Era because they attacked him. But I also kind of didn't. It, it took a while for them to explain that on broadcast and, and candidly, I don't know if they ever did. They did tonight on on Survivor yeah. Series. I don't know if they did on Saturday. And I mean, I caught the moment too, and it popped me. Uh, like Kevin Owens and Adam Cole were just having so much fun in there yeah, together. Yeah, they were. Each yeah, other. Yeah. That like those two, like they. I saw Kevin. There was a point he looked at Adam and almost couldn't help but crack the smile a little bit. And Adam's kind of like, "Yeah, I know this is this is cool as shit. I know we like we've been best friends for so long, and here like this is and th- and then when they got to do the callback." Yeah, you know the stunner, the super and, kick stunner. And, yeah, and Adam basically being Shawn Michaels' adopted son at this point. When they got to like just those two, because I've watched those two for so long. I've watched those two wrestle in front of twenty people. I've watched them wrestle each other in front of two hundred people at PWG shows. I've watched them team up. I watched them build Mount Rushmore with the Bucks. And when I saw those two in that ring, I said, "Man, look at like this hard this hard work pays off." And just look at these two. Yeah, for anyone that doesn't fully realize what Jack's talking about, when Owens got in the ring and immediately faced off with Adam Cole, they did the uh, Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels finish, basically, the face-off with the super kick, the catch, the spin, and the stunner. And it was uh, it was almost an exact replication. It was pretty damn close. Uh, but I also know the moment you're talking about. I think Cole was um, trapped like by the bottom rope and the, and the cage, and Kevin's like pounding on him. And I think like I, fun. and they were smiling and laughing. Yeah, They're I saw that. So much yeah. fun with each other. Oh, and we, we do have to mention. Okay. Yeah. We, we we have to mention it because we said Adam Cole, the Britt yeah. Baker stuff. Yeah. Uh, before we get to Britt Baker, real quick, because I want to tie that in tomorrow, and I do want to okay. talk about that okay. briefly at the end. Uh, just real quick, match really good. Um, I thought the finish. You know, with all these, and this happened last year with the men too. You know, it's like you feel it building with, yeah. oh, there's three table spots and now there's going to be a fourth. You know, it, it just was a little formulaic for me. And doing a big spot off the top like that, you're going to have to, you know, get it right. So they took some time and made sure, you know, you, you if you're Adam Cole, you're trying to hit him. You're trying to get down and not yeah. take this bump. Um, but ultimately, that bump was so freaking sick. Uh, I thought Champa did an incredible job protecting him. I'm honestly shocked that Champa took that bump, even though the type of bump it was, you would think he'd be okay neckwise. But the, he just came back. This guy is insane. You want to talk about mentally unstable? Tommaso <laughs> Champa is mentally unstable. He did um, a really good job because on the slow mo, he landed on his ass. Yeah, it was perfect. It's, it's like that perfect fall. It was. It was really great. And of course, after the show, and this is going to get into our final topic here because we are going long and meant to keep this at an hour. 
Uh, but they do show Britt Baker, who, for those that don't know, is in AEW. It's Adam Cole's real life girlfriend, I think. She's a dentist. Is, yeah, she is a dentist. She's a uh, dentist. Doctor, Doctor Britt Baker. Um, are they fiance married or are they just boyfriend? No, uh, still just dating, I believe. I no, they're, be they're, it's been a long time though, and they're pretty serious. They've been together a while. Uh, but this is the second time that cameras have actually caught her at Takeover. The first time was. I mean, both times it seems were accidents. The first time was a total accident. She was sitting next to Stephanie McMahon. They showed Stephanie in the crowd like a year ago or a little bit longer. And everyone's like, oh, my God, Britt Baker's right there. Uh, this time, according to Triple H, they found the most concerned fan, uh, you know, after the bump. And it happened to be her. And he said that, you know, he apologized to them. He didn't just in case uh, it bothered anyone. I, don't, I think it's kind of overdoing it. Um, what I thought was great, though, was that Morrow on the call didn't like – make believe he didn't see what he saw. He's like, hey, that's Britt Baker, and she's Adam Cole's girlfriend, and she's obviously concerned. So I thought he did a great job on that call in particular. Um, but I, I saw nothing purposeful uh, with showing Britt Baker on camera. I think it happened. I just I Something that happened. It's 2019. Come on now. Like, the people got us. And for the record, I know people – I believe Triple H. I believe he felt terrible. I agree. This was not malicious. He loves that. Like, this is not malicious. He would not do anything to hurt. Like, I do believe him when he's like, oh, my producer guy fu- you know, screwed, screwed up. up. And maybe, and maybe the producer guy didn't know who Britt was. There, there's, oh, there's a, maybe he didn't know. If oh, you're directed, no, just find the most concerned person you can. She was pretty concerned for obvious reasons. I totally believe that. Also, I think people are like, well, he didn't even need to say anything. He didn't need to apologize for it. I think he is just, he grew up in a business and fan noticed he grew up, he grew up where if WWE did that purposefully, or if a cameraman did that purposefully, that Vince would scream at you. Yep. That's what, that's, that's the wrestling that Triple H knows. Paul knows. So he's just like, you know what? I know that if it was us, maybe someone would get talked to or something would happen. So you know what? I'm just going to nip it in the bud and say, you know what? Hey, no harm, no foul. Didn't mean to do anything. Sorry, but you know, not on purpose. So I had no issue with it whatsoever. No, there was none whatsoever. Yeah, and I don't, and I don't think anyone really should. Nor do I think people should think he's lying about it being an accident. Of course, it was an accident. There's no way they purposely showed someone else from another company to give them promos so people could talk about. Oh, do you know who she is? She actually wrestles on this other the, show. It the, never happened. The only thing I wanted Morrow to say was, "Oh, that's Britt Baker. She's a dentist." Right. <laughs> exactly. Because uh, AEW announcers don't say it a hundred too many times every freaking Wednesday. It is. You know what? It is their version of Big Dog. It, it is, really is. It is. It really wow, is. man. It's boss She's time. A She's a dentist. <laughs> um, but to, to, to close real quick, you know, look, I don't know what's going on, but personally, I'm a you can call it a mark. I'm a mark for Mauro Ronaldo. I think he's the best combat sports announcer, uh, you know, alive today, working today. Um, and probably the most versatile of all time. Um, what I will say is that Morrow did take over. I, was it his best show? Probably not, but it was nothing that tweaked me in any major way. I didn't think he did a bad job. I think Morrow's great. Uh, Corey Graves is out here subtweeting Morrow, uh, saying basically he's not letting other people talk, throwing too many rap references in. First of all, criticizing, you know, your coworker you know, subtweeting like behind their back, basically not a good look and, and just ridiculous. Uh, it's also hypocritical because if anyone buries other, you know, announcers and commentators, it's Corey freaking graves. But what ends up happening is more Ronaldo deletes his Twitter. Uh, 
He was supposed to be on Survivor Series tonight. Triple H promoted it. Uh, certainly on air, they said that he lost his voice. Clearly, that's not true. Uh, there's reports out there that he didn't want to be there with Corey Graves. Other things. I mean, obviously, Morrow suffers from severe uh, anxiety and depression. Um, so all my, all I kind of want to say is, I hope he's doing well. I hope we see him Wednesday. I hope you know he's back on Twitter. But that's certainly the least important of the three that I just said. But more than anything, I hope he's doing well and that he realizes uh, he's probably the greatest, most versatile combat sports announcer going today. And one person's opinion on Twitter doesn't really mean much at all. Yeah, Corey needs to find a chill zone. Look, here's a little secret, people. I'm not the biggest Mario Ronaldo fan for professional wrestling, boxing, and MMA. Love the guy. He's not my cu- he's not my cup of tea for wrestling. Okay, that's my opinion. You don't do what Graves did. Like, like you don't do that to a coworker, and you especially don't do that to a coworker who had the issues with the company that he did, only for them to go out of their way to get him back. And again, it, you know, like I said. Not, not my cup of tea for wrestling, the guy. He He's not. But, like, Corey Graves, it's, it's him and his mom. Like, they give this guy way too much leeway. Who who has Boy, had a longer – who is honestly not counting, like, Jeff Hardy as a wrestler or someone like that. Who has had a longer leash than Corey Graves recently? And I know he's trying to, like, put over his new podcast on WWE's podcast network where he's supposed to be controversial and say whatever he wants. But you can talk about, like, Rollins getting booed and people thinking he's a dork. But you don't go after someone who is not just your peer, but is your peer in your almost ex- identical role. He's on your side. Yeah. He's on he's on yeah. the non-wrestling side. And you know from working with him that he battles these issues. Ter- like 0.0, zero, zero market zero, huge fail for Corey Graves. This is a guy who when they, brought him, up, when they brought him up to Raw, I said, man, Corey's really breathing a new life into WWE commentary. It's getting to the point where I kind of just don't want him there at all. Well, it, you know what? I mean, you know what happens? The big head. I mean, he's he's favored. He is good in his, like, Bobby Heenan type role. Like, he got a lot of praise. Absolutely. He deserves it. He's, yes, like, uh, I'm a total Divas fan. My wife and I watch it all the time. Love the show. He's heavily, he's heavily featured on it, that, you know, this season with Carmella. And, you know, they brought all that to light. So he's on there all the time now. So I don't know. Maybe it's, you know, people get full of themselves. It happens. We're, you know, we're human beings. It all happens to us at some point or another in life. But you can't, there's lines you don't cross. And like what he did last night was just dumb. Like I remember waking up and looking at it. I was like, this is stupid. Why would you do that? Totally unnecessary. It was Um, like, it, it was akin to almost when, you know, it's like who had, he had the ultimate who asked you moment. Like when he said about when he subtweeted CM Punk years ago about the rules of punk rock. And it's like, who asked you? Like, wait, you're not Cole Cabana. You're not Vince McMahon. You're not. Nobody asked you. And and when you talk about stepping on other people, one of the reasons that Renee Young didn't develop as much on the mic in the commentary booth as she would have otherwise is because of Corey Graves, because he stepped on her all the time. Did you hear how great she was with Tom Phillips and Pat McAfee? When they subbed in for that SmackDown, yeah, 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 she was, was she wasn't good. She wasn't good. She was great. So there's something to be said for a you know, pop meat kettle. You know the Spider-Man meme, like oh wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, so so look, I don't hate on him. I actually really like Corey Graves. I do He's think sure. I do think he he is was a breath of fresh air for WWE commentary and can be again. I just I feel you know despite me having 
zero relationship with Marwanalo outside of like tweeting back and forth publicly and like meeting him or interviewing him twice, not even meeting him. Um, zero relationship. Yet somehow I feel like protective over this guy. And just because I, I like him so much, he's so entertaining to me. And I just don't think what happened was fair. So I felt like saying it. That's all. No, I, you have every right to. That was actually it's actually good you brought that up because, you know, it, it, it was a big topic over the last 24 hours. And when he was not there, you knew something was up. And then Cole did his best to address it. Because I know Cole is an advocate. Cole's a big advocate ad, advocate for the guy. It's late. but um, It is. It, so it Cole, is late. Cole did his best job to kind of get us through it. Um, and, and I thought Cole did a good job overall on Survivor Series, which is what we were here to speak about tonight. Uh, we will be back Tuesday with another WWE edition of the State of Combat podcast. Big interviews coming this week. That is a spoiler from the Silver King. Check them out. You will have BC back on the show Tuesday. We'll have BC talking other combat sports. I'm not totally sure what the schedule is. Boxing. MMA, you know where to get it, at State of Combat on Twitter, at Silverstein Adam, at Jay Crosby CBS. You can find us on cbssports.com slash WWE for all your professional wrestling news, recaps, grades, incident analysis, and you know the way we say goodbye when the Silver King runs the show. You don't get the partial savage, you get the full savage. Elizabeth, come on out here, man. We got something going that's really big, don't we? Yeah. Look in the video scope right now and tell them about Macho Madness. Tell them how strong it is and tell them where we're going. Yeah. We into the Twilight Zone. Yeah. And Hulk Hogan's got no chance, does he? No. Does anybody have a chance against the Macho Man Radio Center? Am I the greatest wrestler, past, present, and future that ever lived? Yes, you are. Okay, now say goodbye. 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 Say goodbye. Bye. Okay, now get out of here. Oh, that's right a little now. rough, Randy. Yeah, but it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. And I am the roughest one in the sport. I am the number one wrestler in the world today. Tell Hulk Hogan that and tell I will. Uh, thank you, Randy Savage. Rest in peace, Mean Gene. Rest in peace, Randy Savage. We out. This is Sandra Oreda from Attacking Third, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Golasso Network dedicated to all things women's soccer. With the NWSL expanding to 14 teams, the 2024 season promises to be bigger and better than ever, and Attacking Third will be along for the ride from start to finish. Before that, though, we'll be all over the CONCACAF W Gold Cup, where the U.S. Women's National Team is looking to clinch silverware on home soil. We'll also be keeping tabs on the winter transfer window, the Women's Super League, the UEFA Women's Champions League, and elsewhere. Coming to you multiple times a week with game previews, recaps, analysis, breaking news, exclusive interviews, and more. Attacking Third is your one-stop shop for the best coverage of the women's game. Download follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe to Attacking Third.